Well, brothers, I need your utmost attention this whole morning uh, because this is not going to be an ordinary meeting or time. Um, I would consider this a very, very solemn time. Uh, that song <clears throat> in uh, number uh, four, seven, no, no, no. Uh, the song uh, uh, 403. Um, concerning, uh, you know, uh, it is a watchman's uh, song, a very dear song, song I love, uh, about live thyself, Lord Jesus, through me, right? Okay. Um, uh, that's not my uh, burden this morning, but verse 2. Consecrated is thy temple, purged from every stain and sin. May thy flame of glory now be manifested from within. Now, here's the point. Let the earth in solemn wonder see my body willingly. That's clearly uh, Romans 12. Present your body a living sacrifice. Because when your body is presented, that means your soul contained in your body and your inner man, that is the spirit uh, contained in your soul, uh, all will go with that sacrifice. That means your whole entire human being is now a sacrifice. Let the earth in solemn wonder see my body willingly offered as thy slave obedient, energized alone by thee. So I use the word solemn in this sense. In your mind's eye, you can almost see like the whole universe has to be still. The whole universe with all the creatures and angels, whoever, has to uh, quiet down. When there's one man who is set to consecrate himself to God. That's what I see in the picture of this. That's why I mean there is a certain solemnity of atmosphere when there is a person on this earth genuinely consecrating his whole being to God for his purpose. So this morning, I hope that we are in the presence of the Lord and by our exercise in this way, there would be an atmosphere or a condition of solemnity. Now, uh, we're going to speak until, what, 12.30, something like this, and then we're going to have a really short break. I'm sorry, 10.30, and then we're going to have a short break, Um, 15 minutes, just a kind of a bathroom break, uh, because I need more time to, to, to speak to you. Uh, we'll end, uh, we'll shoot for, for noon. 
I'd like this morning to uh, talk to you about the story of Gideon's 300. So this story that uh, even the kids would know um, bears a little bit of a study. And of course, this morning, I'm not here interested just in the story, you know, uh, per se, but I'm interested in seeing uh, what happened. In other words, how does God or Jehovah uh, marshal men uh, for uh, for the battle, for for the warfare? Um, I like to get into that with you, with the hopes that this will inform us, and more than that, this will inspire us to be Gideon's army of this day. And brothers, I said, it's a solemn hour, this is a solemn time. Uh, Again, I do not say this uh, for dramatic effect, uh, just to kind of just to get your attention. Uh, I really feel this morning we are in the presence of Jehovah. And that we are in a similar situation as Gideon's time. Again, you see, in God's move, there are those particular times when there's war when God's interest is at stake, when um, there's an enemy uh, seeking to destroy God's people and God's testimony. And it is obviously a time when the Lord needs a particular group of fighting people, Uh, not just the nation in general, not even just men, but a special group of men uh, to take care of his interest. I'd like to tell you, and again, I don't say this for dramatic effect, Uh, deep within me, my feeling is as far as the United States is concerned, we're at that moment. And to be more specific, in Northern California, where we have been laboring for the last five years or so, more or less as a preparatory time, a foundation time, a kind of a restoring time to bring us to this point. Now, we're at that point. What point is this? It's the point when we need this army 
to move. Make no mistake, brothers. We are at that point. And at this point, as in times of war, you cannot live like ordinary times. You cannot behave as if these are ordinary days. The nation is at war. And so there's a call-up. There's a need. Twenty nineteen, this year that we're in, we started at about twenty fourteen. We have twenty fifteen and sixteen where we have these elders lessons trainings. And then we also have twenty seventeen and eighteen, the last two years, for various other things that are necessary. But all of that brought us to this day. To this day. And, brothers, the Lord is ready. The Holy Spirit is ahead of us. The cloud in the day and the fire at night is here. And it's moving. It's time to decamp. It's time for us to move in Northern California. And I say this in a very, very solemn way. Um, Christ as our true commander-in-chief, as our real Joshua. Will we be today's collective Caleb with another spirit uh, to possess the land and to displace all the enemies that had Occupy this land. For the building of the house, for the uh, advancement of his kingdom, uh, for his interest and his purpose. Let's take a look at the story of Gideon. So you have Gideon here. This Judges chapter 7. And he had quite a few men with him. You know, he was one of the judges. And they were camped and so on in... um, (laughs) 
facing the the enemy, the Midianites. And so this is what Jehovah said to uh, Gideon. He said, the people with you are too many for me. That, that's odd. I think, I would think the Lord says, come one, come all. I, 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 we, need, we need a lot more men. That, that is my natural thinking. You know, last time we had the draft was during the Vietnam War era, where the more men, the better. But no, in front of this battle, too many people, God said. Too many for me to deliver Midian into the hand. Because he said that if so many people did it, then Israel will say, we did it. Jehovah didn't do it. We did it. We, uh, 30,000 of us, we, we, we defeated the enemy. Jehovah would not have that. I want to demonstrate to Israel that they didn't save themselves. It's me. It's my hand that saved Israel. So I don't need so many. How many? 30 plus thousand men. So he said, proclaim to the people, whoever is afraid and trembling should return and depart from here, from Mount Gilead. Go home, he said, basically. And you know what? Two-thirds of them did that. 22,000 of that crowd or that throng or that army returned home with 10,000 remaining. Then Jehovah said to Gideon again, still too many. Now bring them down to the water now. I'm going to test them for you there. So It's like the army is putting them through some initial physical or something, some, some, some test to see who is qualified. Now, these are people who are not afraid because those left already. These are people who are ready to go. I mean, they, they, they have courage, but still too many. So this test is not a test of courage. Courage. I'm going to spend some time here. This test is a different test. Now, let's take a look. He said, bring the people down to the water. Um, These 30,000 or even these 10,000 enlisted themselves. 
You know, this morning we're having a little discussion of this word enlist. Let me say something about this. Uh, I have always been bothered, not just this morning, for a long time. Uh, Number one, by just this word in English, enlist. What does it really mean? And also, on the spiritual side, how does it work? Now, let me go through these two things separately. On the side of the word, the English word enlist, um, it is correct to say that I enlist in the Marines, in the Army, right? It's, it's a proper way of saying it. I went down to the recruitment office and I enlisted in the Navy, correct? But it is also correct to say that the Navy enlisted me. Both are correct. From the side of my enlistment, it is because my love for country, you know what I mean, uh, my, my patriotism, I'm talking about in the secular, in the worldly sense. My dad was a military, you know what I mean. So I enlisted. In other words, I volunteer. No one asked me to go. You know, we, we're in peace times, quote, quote. So it's an all-volunteer army. So I went there to enlist. No one put a gun to my head. I went to enlist. But once I'm enlisted, I'm enlisted. In other words, now the army owns me. This country owns me in a particular way. I'm no longer an ordinary citizen. Am I right? I now have a particular status as a, as a, as a GI, as a soldier, as a Marine, whatever it is, whatever branch of the military, the, arm, the, the, the government, the, the, the Department of Defense, whatever, has now enlisted me. I lost an amount of freedom voluntarily. Voluntarily. So one meaning of enlist is a voluntary offering, if you will. That is not a draft. You, you see the vision. You love your country, right? You just offer up knowing that you could, you could be sent out uh, when, when, if a, a war erupts and, and so on. Um, you put yourself voluntarily in harm's way. You, you're ready for that, for a cause, you know, for a, for a noble cause. And you offer yourself to be restricted, to be regulated, to be trained, right? To live a more Spartan life, to learn the, the rules of war, to the, the skills of battle, am I right? To learn the weapons, to learn all, all these things you, 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 you understand. No one asked me to do this. I offer myself. It's voluntary. It's what we call consecration. 
all consecrated, or rather in Romans 12, uh, 12, yes, by God's abundant mercies. I beseech you, uh, brothers, by the mercies of God. Mercies means includes his grace and his love, the constraining love of Christ. Paul said, this love constrains me, this love forces me, this love pressures me, this love pushes me, so that I have no recourse, I have to offer myself um, willingly to the Lord. I made this judgment that henceforth I would not live to myself anymore, I would live to him who died for me and rose again. 2 Corinthians 5. And so his mercies, he begged, he pleaded with the Romans to do the same. So present yourself willingly as a living sacrifice offered to God. So that is enlisting on our side, all right, on our side. But once you're enlisted, now is the time for the army to enlist you. Because you enlisted, you have a good heart. But you may not be qualified for that army or for that job. You follow me, brothers? So there has to be a certain test, you know. And if you don't pass that test, you can have a heart, but it's not good enough for war, for war. And so this is what's happening here. The 32,000 enlisted. Then Jehovah, the government, (laughs) you know, Jehovah said, no, that's good. But I have, I'm in charge. I'm directing the war. I need to make sure that it is according to my plan. It's my battle. So I need to qualify these people who have enlisted, by the way. So out of these men, I need some. That would fit my purpose at this time. So I think you're clear. The first is the fear factor. The courage factor. Two-thirds dropped out. Out of that 10,000 left, test two. Test two. Jehovah said to Gideon, everyone, take them to the water to drink. Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, um, you will set them apart. Likewise, everyone who bows down on his knees to drink, put them over here. 
They all drink water, but two ways of drinking. Now, I don't know those who lap the water, do they bow their knees? Or do they do this? You know, you know, they go to water like this, and they drink like this, right? I, I assume they didn't bow their knees. But those who bow their knees are those who went down to the water edge, right? They kneel down and whatever, they, they, they drink that way. All right. Uh, um, then Jehovah said to Gideon, those 300 who lapped, through these 300 men, I'm going to save you and deliver Midian in their hands. Let the other people go. That means to let the other 20... No, no, 19,700. That means all I need from the beginning of 30,000 is 0.1%. Out of 30,000, I just need 300. Huh? Is it 1%? I'm sorry, 1%. 1%. The other go. 99% 99% go home. Now, this time, this test is not on courage. I'm going to tell you what this is. What better than to let Brother Lee tell us what this test is about? I'm going to read to you. Here's the, here's the footnote. Talk about drinking. Drinking is a basic item of men's daily necessities, Right? So God is using a daily need to do the test. He's not asking them to do bench press or obstacle course or repelling up and down, whatever. No, he just used drinking. The most ordinary of things to do the test. Because drinking is daily life. He wanted to test and see how they're going to live their life. God tested the men by observing how they took care of their necessities. All have had necessities. We all need to drink. It's how you drink. It's how you live. How you take care of those daily needs. The selection of 300 men stresses, now listen to this, the sacrifice of one's personal interests and enjoyment for God's purpose. That's it. Do you take care of your necessities as you should for your interest? And enjoyment merely. Or do you, while taking care of your basic needs, you do so with a spirit of sacrifice? Sacrificing what? Sacrificing your personal need, uh, 
interests. You know, we all have certain personal interests. The call here, the test here, is are you ready and willing to sacrifice that? Okay? That's God. And even sacrifice the enjoyment of those things. For what, brothers? For God's need. For God's purpose. This is my burden, brothers. This is the test. This is the test. Like Gideon, the 300 who lap water from their hand. Yeah, that's how they drank. Restricting themselves in quenching their thirst. They are quenching the thirst because you, you need, everyone needs to quench their thirst. But the mode, the way they quench their thirst is with restriction. You know, those who are kneeling down, if I may say so, one way to interpret it, I'm taking a little liberty here, is you worship that water you drink. It's a necessity, but it becomes your God. You're bowing down to it. I need not remind you, brothers, that you see this. In the speaking of the Lord, go to read Matthew again on the constitution of the kingdom concerning mammon, concerning living by faith. Go read it again. God never deny us, or he never said that we don't need money, right? You know, no, he didn't say that. He's, when he talk about more, uh, 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 mammon, he's talking about this money, this God behind this money, which we need to live, at least in today's monetary system that we're in. You need money. But one thing to have money or use money for your livelihood and survival, it's another to worship it. That means now... You're subject to the power behind that money. Money now is your God. This brings to mind Moses, one of the tests Moses had to go through when he saw that, uh, what? A burning bush in the backside of the mountain, and that is cast this rod, right? 
and it becomes a snake. This rod that you depend on for your walk, for your life, for your living, it's actually a snake in nature. But he didn't just say cast it and run away from it. No, he said pick it up. Pick it up. Right? But pick it up not by the head but by the tail. You need to read the life studies. I, I, I think by the tail. And it becomes a rod again in Moses. It's a, it's a snake in his hand in the, with the appearance of a rod. That means the nature of this thing is satanic. But held rightly, properly, it's a staff. And this means, that actually means our livelihood. It means our career. It means our, the way we make money. The way we employ money. Uh, Necessity. But how you hold it. Where you pick it up. That means How do you use the money? Your attitude towards the money. How you control that money is the difference. To a called one like Moses, and that was a scene of God's calling, besides the hand in the, you know, bosom, That shows that, you know, our natural man is just nothing but rebellion. Am I right? Uh, What is that? Uh, The uh, leprosy. Am I right? Uh, That is an exposure. That is a, a, you may say, a kind of a test. A kind of revelation that we cannot serve with our flesh. Because it is nothing but leprosy. This matter of our livelihood, which is what I want to center on, is a top test to a called one. A revelation that a called one have to see. And that is about your living. Today, brothers, let me tell you, where the one would not, would be just a generally called one, one who have enlisted even, one who who have, I would even say, consecrated themselves, whether they are really qualified for the battle or not, is on how you drink. It's on how you drink, brothers. How you deal with money. 
how you handle your livelihood, that determines whether you're part of the 300. So those who kneel down and drink somewhat, the gesture is one of he lived for that water. It's not just the water just to quench his thirst so he can fight. He's, he lived for that water. The water is his God. The water controls him. Rather that he uses the water. His enjoyment. His interest. Dominates his life. Rather than the warfare. God's purpose. Two different ways of drinking. Brothers, let me tell you. In the church life today. We're 30,000. That's kind of roughly the number of the saints. Active saints in this country. But this morning my word is this. To you, brothers, it's not about the 30,000. You're consecrated. You're for the Lord. You're in the church life. You've been through FTTA. No problem. You're part of the 30,000. Let's say I'm in for the fight. So you're part of the 10,000. But this morning, my burden is not the 10,000. My burden is for the 300. God needs today, in principle, 1%. In principle, I'm not legal, of course. That means a minority. A small minority. And the test is not strength. The test is not gift. The test is not any of those things. Eloquence, no. Nothing is of that sort. The test is not even how you can use your weapon. I mean, God is crazy. God God does... God, God doesn't care for those things. God cares how you, how you face your life. How you deal with necessity. How do you handle money? How do you live? God is interested in lifestyle. So these ones, they have not only an initial sacrifice like the 30,000. I'm sure those 30,000 sacrificed something to be the 30,000. But God needs a further, higher level of sacrifice. You know, God never pulled any punches. God never kind of, what do you call it? Sugarcoat anything. 
God tells you that it is. In, in my experience, God tells it as it is. I have to make that decision in a way, in how I live, whether I qualify for this fight or not. Those who knelt down on their knees and drank without restraint. You see, here's the point. Without restriction, without regulation, without restraint. That means they are not vigilant. They are obsessed with that water. They are occupied with drinking rather than the warfare. They're not ready for war. Those who drink this way, stand up. I tell you, even when they drink, they're, they're watching. They're, 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 drinking is not their God. Drinking is not their preoccupation. Drinking is just what they need to do in order to fight. The heart is not in the water. The heart is the fight. It's, it's the battle. That's how you, it's a lifestyle. Yeah, you follow me? So, those who drank without restraint in, this, in that kind of way took care of their necessity, listen to this, much more than God's need. So, brothers, I introduce another word, priority. It's not that you don't need to drink. It's not that you don't need to make ends meet. It's not that you don't need to do a job. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying, what is priority? That or God's need? So God sent them home. God didn't Send them to hell. No, they didn't. These are saved people. These are even consecrated people. But go home. They're still Israelites. They still are God's people. God's testimony. But warfare? No. This morning, brothers, this is my burden. I like to tell you, brothers, with no uncertain terms, that we're at a pivotal moment in the United States, in Northern California, for these 300, for Gideon's 300. I sense God's calling. I don't mean just me. I'm saying God's calling in his body, in the church life, for such men. Of course, really, in our situation, it's not just brothers. Really, today, it includes sisters. But let's put the sisters over there for the moment. The key are the brothers. In this case, 
The sisters will follow. I say, if the sister, your wife, will drink like you do, then you too, as a couple, is one of Gideon's 300. So I w- my burden is not to talk about how they fought, how the, the role of barley and you know, all that kind of stuff. That's the warfare. I'm talking about enlisting God's calling, God's enlistment in the case or in the type of Gideon. Now, I'm going to read the other verse that is familiar to all of us. As long as we're on this issue of enlistment, and of course, I refer to Second Timothy, <clears throat> chapter two, and verse four, three and four. Excuse me. Paul's word to Timothy: Suffer evil with me. As a good soldier of Jesus, of Christ Jesus. Out of the back. Uh, uh, just, just, just suffer evil. Sacrifice your enjoyment. You know, every soldier suffers. I mean, if you don't have a mind to suffer, You don't belong here. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Brothers, needless to say that our ministry, our work, our labor in the Lord and in the Lord's recovery in particular is a warfare. We're in a battle, brothers, and if you think we're not, then you had better wake up. It's a warfare we're engaged in in Northern California right now. A warfare for Christ. The priest, uh, excuse me, the, 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 the priestly service, you know, that we're all in, the the, the priesthood of the gospel, you know, the priests that we're all in universally in numbers that we have been studying in our crystallization study, by now we should know is a military service. That word Saba, you know, in the book Numbers refers to a military service. Those who are 20 and upwards are qualified to fight with no upper limit. Am I right? That, that they are called to that military service. The Hebrew word is Saba, meaning it is a military service. It's a priestly service, but it is a military service. Because it's, the priest is to those who take the lead to worship God and serve God. But you have to realize that two sides of our service. One is to take care of God. The other is to take care of God's enemy. So we're both priests and we're fighters. 
who were fighting priests. We simultaneously take care of the image and dominion. Am I right? So here, it says, no one, verse 4 now, no one serving as a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. So to fight this good fight that Paul waged himself personally for the Lord's interests on this earth. There's no mentioning of weapons. There's no mentioning of what guns and cannons or knives you use. No, no. Again, the principle appears, reappears here. You have to clear away all the earthly entanglements. Do you see this, brothers? It's again, back to your living. It's not about how tough you are or how capable you are, how not even about how bold you are, if I may say so. Of course, that's important, how courageous you are. But you have to clear away all the what? Entanglements from the affairs of life. Now, the affairs of life we all have. I have my my affairs of life, things that I have to take care of. I, I, you know, now Daniel is helping me, but I, I have to, I have to take. I'm the one who pick up the dog poop at my house, and put them in a bag every week and throw them into the trash. And I'm the one who take the trash bins out and take the trash bins back. So these are affairs of life. You understand what I'm saying? And I have to walk the dog. I have to go to do grocery. But, brothers, it's one thing to take care of affairs of life. It's another thing to be entangled. My question to you is, are you entangled? What, what, what is to be entangled? The, the meaning of entangle. Caught up. Bound, enslaved, shackled by the affairs of life. And here, go back uh, to Matthew 13. Those stones, you remember those rocks in this stony soil? You know what they are? Remember what, what those rocks were? Huh? Deceitfulness of riches, you know, back to money, right? And what? Anxieties, anxieties of life. That life is, I forgot, is it the bios life or the, the, the Greek word? Someone can check. Or, or the suki life. I somewhat believe it's bios. 
you, 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 anyone who have the interlinear, whatever you can do, some checking. So life, we all need to live. We're in the Bay Area. Living standard is high. You need to work to make ends meet. And Paul says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Okay? So we are not talking about that. We're talking about how you handle that, how you face that, how you hold the snake. Is God's interest first or is or is this first? And when God's interest is not priority, you're entangled as far as God is concerned. You're just like everybody, so you fit in. But as far as God is concerned, you're entangled. And as an entangled one, you're not a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And it says at the end that he may please the one who enlisted him. Now, this makes it very clear. This is now enlisting of Gideon 300 because it is now God enlisting. You've done your enlisting already. We all have done our enlisting. Now, through a process of qualifying, God is enlisting us on his side. That means God is now qualifying us to be his army. To please the one. You know, Paul says, I like back to 2 Corinthians 5. He said, I am ambitious to please him. Do you remember that? Paul has an ambition, not for the things of the world, of, life, of this life. Paul's ambition, his par- he got his priority right. Paul's ambition was to please him. And in the case of a soldier, it is to please the one who enlisted him. Now I think we're clear. Now I have not only answered talk about the grammar or the words or the vocabulary. I'm talking about the situation in the spiritual realm that enlistment is both sides. Men first enlist. Well, I should not say that. God first enlist. That means God called you. Even before the foundation of the world, God knew you selected you, foreknew you, marked you out. Am I right? Go read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. That parenthesis. It's all about God's calling, God's sovereignty, God's mercy. To mark us out as vessels of mercy, vessels unto honor, vessels unto glory. We didn't do any of those. God enlisted us. And he's faithful. His calling is without repentance. It says in Romans 11. His gifts and his calling are what is, without repentance, irrevocable. Right? What is that word? Huh? Irrevocable. That means... Once God called, he called. And he called the way he wanted to call. He called, he loved 
this supplanter uh, called, 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 called Jacob, and he hated this good guy called, uh, called Esau. What are you going to do about that? He made from one lump a vessel unto honor and one unto dishonor. Are you going to challenge the potter? So God called us. God enlisted us already. Then in time, he came and saved us. That save thing is the working out of his enlistment, his calling. The day when we're saved by the Lord Jesus is the day we were actually called by him. So he went there and called those disciples. Then, after we were called, listen, we enlisted. Based on his initial enlistment, we enlist. That means we were constrained by his love. He came and woo us. He came in his tender love. Am I right? He drew us. And so we, 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 we are besieged by his mercies. Though Then we presented our bodies. We consecrated ourselves to the Lord. We enlisted voluntarily, but it's based on his choosing and his, it's not of him who will or run, but God who shows mercy. Now, this morning, my point is not even that, just that, that we had that consecration to enlist. I'm talking about God now having to do a further enlistment of those who can fight for him in a particular time, a particular age, a particular hour, for a particular battle, and even on the earth, or even a particular part of this earth. He's calling the Gideonites. This is not just consecration, brothers. You have consecrated. I have consecrated. But this is beyond just consecration. This is God coming to say, this is my battle. I need 300 who would take care of my interest before their own. Who would disentangle themselves and sacrifice themselves voluntarily. Who would adopt a certain kind of lifestyle. A vigilant, military lifestyle. That's what I want and need. So, brothers, in 1966, March, I consecrated myself to the Lord. I was in high school. And That consecration, I must tell you, brothers, was thorough. 
It was not just, you know, like this. It was thorough. <clears throat> and I will testify to you many now, many, many years later that God's love came to me um, that day. That day is, was my grandmother's birthday. That's how I remember it. That day. The Lord's love came to me like it has never came to me before. Because of the, you know, that verse in Romans 5 that says, For the love of God has been poured out into your hearts. You remember that? That was exactly my experience. It was an outpouring of love. You know, God, when he pours himself out into you, it's in the form of love. And no one can fight against God's love. That love melts. That love wins. That love subdues. That love conquers. That love captivates. That love, that jealous love possesses. Okay. So by that, I consecrated. I enlisted. I was saved. God already enlisted me, but I enlisted that evening or that afternoon. It was several hours in duration. It says the love of God is poured out in your hearts, and then what does it say? Huh? Could you? Yeah. Five, what? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Um, mm -hmm. Where is it? Yeah, 5-5. Five, five. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Brothers, this morning I say this under this roof. Uh, uh, um, uh, not to boast, not to, but just as a testimony. <clears throat> that afternoon, the Holy Spirit came to me. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that afternoon. And it was a special experience. And it's very, very clear to me that it was God's calling to serve my whole life. That was the time when I consecrated when I enlisted to serve the Lord with my whole life. I'm high school, okay? I don't know what whole life means. I was not married. I have not been to college. What do I know? But when that love came, when the Spirit is present, you enlist.
about then I came to this country for college, and I got into the recovery, the ministry, you know, all, all, the, all of that. <clears throat> that love continued to operate, of course, in the church life, more consecration, more, you know, more offering of myself again and again, until the early 80s, which is 15 years later, 16 17 later, years later, right around that period, God came and do his enlistment. That means God came to qualify me. By what? By drinking. By drinking. This time was not the Holy Spirit. This time is someone called Witness Lee, who began to speak generally, as he has not done until that time, to call for brothers to come out and serve full time. By that time, I've gotten my master's degree, I have license to be an architect, I'm, li- I, I'm by uh, reciprocity, I'm licensed in a number of states in this country, started a business, and then the call came from Brother Lee. Then, not only his speaking in a kind of a general way to issue that call. You know, before that time, Brother Lee never promoted full-time service in this country because everyone is full-time. We indeed live quite the full-time lifestyle. The church, people. So, but at that time, that was a time, I can tell you, is when he started the Chinese-speaking work. The Chinese-speaking work. That is 1982-83 time frame. Okay? I don't know whether we can stop by 10.30 or not. And... My goodness... For 15, 16 years, I'm a consecrated person. You know, 403, the earth in solemn wonder. I I went through all of that. I was totally for Christ in the church. Oh, my. Right, brothers? We were just 1,000% for Christ in the church. Like, that's it. We're, We're ready for the Lord to come back. Then Brother Lee started this thing called Chinese-speaking work. And besides, generally speaking, and by the way, when he went to Taiwan in 84, you know, the Taiwan brothers know 84, when he got there, one of the first things he did was call for full-timers in Taiwan with numbers. One, 
too. Yeah. He was on a tear as the Spirit was leading. And so, privately, he spoke to some of us. And he would never say, Minoru, you should go full time. But it's very clear when he looks at you and say it. He doesn't need to say names. And he keeps saying it. Next time, same thing again. Next time, you know, if you know Brother Lee, he is dogged, okay? That's the factor of his success. And that's why later on I say he put a gun to our head. That's what I meant. And he was specifically calling some of us, some of the, for the Chinese speaking world, those who are bilingual. So he didn't ask for just those who cannot manage English or those who cannot manage Chinese, whatever, even though my Chinese was terrible, you know, you just, he, he, Brother Lee's way of working, he gets what he can get. You know, you, you, if you don't get A grade, B grade, he'll take it. It's B grade, then it's C grade. He'll take it. In, in fact, there's no C grade, it's a D grade. He says, I'll take it. That's Brother Lee. He uses whatever. That's the beauty of Brother Lee. Okay, so I don't know, I'm D grade, C grade, or whatever. Uh, I got his attention, so I'm from Hong Kong, so we have these bilingual people, and so a number of us, you know, Brother Andrew Yu is one of them. Paul Han up here was kind of one of them. And of course, I am down in Southern California in Orange County. So, oh my, I tell you. I got everything planned. I'm consecrated. I'm for the church life, this and that. I, and, and I, why do I need to go f- full time, you know? Oh, you know what that is? That's the river banks. That's the river banks that the Lord, through Brother Lee, took us to. And you don't know how much Brother Lee spoke. Not so much about, oh, glorious vision. He mainly spoke to us in those days about living by faith. That was his speaking to some of us. Not about the vision, the church, God's economy. It's about, it's about he said, jump ship like Peter. You know, the Lord was on the water, standing there. He said, Peter, come. That means Peter jumped ship. And so Peter jumped, and he started to sink. <laughs> oh, I cannot forget those days. It's about jumping ship. My, you don't know, brothers. When you're faced with this, how much you're still holding the snake by the head. You don't know it, but actually you are. The test, it's a, it's a test, high-stress test. 
no joke test. And that test was so difficult that it took quite a while. Of course, it includes my wife, right? And this is why the Lord covers me to say this. Without my wife, oneness and backing and support, and you know what I'm saying, it would have been a lot, lot harder. By that time, we'd have our first child already, our first daughter already. And soon after that, our second. So, eventually... with the Lord's strengthening and, and, and the divine pressure from Brother Lee. Uh, we came out. We came out. And instantly, Brother Lee put us to work, like big time. Now he has helpers. A year later, he went to Taiwan. And I was left hanging. More or less, the whole Chinese-speaking work. You know, Andrew, you went to Taiwan to help Brother Lee with the training. You know, you, you, you know that story. And, and Paul Han went. You remember the white horse training and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? When? Me, I'm left here. The rest is history, so to speak. So... I'm not saying I'm the only one with this experience. I'm just sharing my own. Many brothers have to went through this kind of struggle uh, in order to be one of the 300. Now, I am not saying that you have to go full-time to be Gideon's 300. However, there's a big however, and that is there is need for those who will go full-time. Full-time doesn't mean you're better than the non-full-time. It does not even mean you're more gifted than the non-full-time. It just means you go full-time. And this full-time, with this kind of being enlisted by God. Mainly is testing the priorities of our life. The way we approach things. 
apparently not so spiritual, but decisive. I have seen brothers, some, who failed this test. When there's a further calling by God, they failed. They responded to the Lord up to a certain degree. When there's a further, you know, call, they, for this or that reason, did not pass this test. Some, because of their particular situation, I'm talking about full time here, fulfilled this calling some years later. And I'm not here judging that. I'm just saying this is history. But the point is, there's that call. There's that call. Now, I would not say that I'm so uh, great and so unusual, I'm so gifted. Or, uh, I'm not saying that. Please forget about that. But I am saying that the reason I'm standing here, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing, or I can't do what I can do today, can be traced back to that. Our enlistment It's due to love. God's constraining love. But let me tell you, God's enlistment is not due to love. It's due to need. Need. Do you follow me? Our enlistment involves a level of sacrifice, you know, just to be in the church life. But it is of a general order. But God's enlistment requires a higher sacrifice that is specific. Touching time, touching your marriage, touching your family, Touching your job, all these necessities and things of this life. Today, a new battle is beginning in the United States and in Northern California. God has an army. Thank him and praise him. In one accord. But let me tell you what is needed now. 
what is needed now in principle are 300 Gideonites. So all I can do is just discharge what is in my spirit, which I believe I have some measure of confidence it is the Lord. And even the Lord's further calling to some of you, brothers. I don't know who, I don't know how, But I know why. The key question. I know why. Because of his purpose, his interest, his need at this time. Now let me finish by saying that such particular calling by God to meet his need at a particular situation and time It's seasonal. It's not every day. Trust me, it's not every day. Four or five years ago, there's not this kind of calling. The time was not right, not ready. Now it is. The churches in Northern California, by and large, are one. Thank the Lord. Am I right? Uh... We have a certain level of training, of reconstituted leadership, a kind of many things are going on. The blending center, so many things. And as part of the Lord's fresh move in this country, I say Northern California is at the tip of the spear, or one tip of the spear. There's much labor ahead of us. We have just been through five years. I'm now looking forward to the next five until year 2024. And these five years are pivotal. Pivotal in the Lord's further advance of his recovery in this part of USA. And for anything to be done, we need manpower. God needs manpower. But not generally. Specifically. If he could have a handful of men, of brothers, he is the real Gideon, isn't he? who would forfeit, who would sacrifice the kind of lifestyle we have today. I'm not talking about just sinfulness or worldliness. I'm just talking about lifestyle. I'm just talking about priority. I'm talking about even sacrificing your family. When 
the need dictates. That's why the wife is important. And when the call came, when the need is there, you don't say, I've got to take care of that first. Then I'll come and take care of it. No. You come and take care of this first. Then you take care of that. Such a spirit. Such a way of drinking. Is what would allow God to win this battle, brothers. We have 300 in our training, 2015 and 16, something like that. If among these 300, there's some like this. In some cases, to drop your job and go full-time. In other cases, adjust your situation. To have more time and energy available. And still some other cases, you don't change your job. But you reprioritize your living. With full agreement and more than consensus, but even burden on the part of your spouse. That's where we are, brothers. That's where we are. It's 1035. So I hope I'm not here to stir up any emotions. Merely, we're always at the Lord's mercy, and his love continues to operate. For sure, for sure. My brothers, this is, I believe this is the Lord's call. Please, if there is a move of the Lord in you, if there is a conviction within you, if there is a call, Go to the Lord and deal with him. Let him, let his enlisting hand work in you. His calling, his gifts and calling are irrevocable. Irrevocable. That's not the right way to say it, but just the sound, it's 
that means God never repent of his call. But I will tell you, I will say something more. To those who have this calling, that God is faithful. He will take care of you. Brother Lee said when he enlisted, then the Lord enlisted him in that way, he was ready to go and be a poor preacher to drink the mountain streams and to eat the roots from the tree. He said in his old life, he never drank mountain water. He never ate uh, tree roots. The Lord took care of him. That does not mean he did not suffer. And his family did not suffer. They suffer. There is the component of sacrifice. Suffer. But without that, there would be no witness Lee. Without witness Lee, most of us won't be sitting here this morning. It's your turn, brothers. Let's just have a little prayer. Please do not pray the perfunctory prayer to repeat my words. Pray a prayer of opening just for a few minutes. May I suggest, uh, uh, Don, 